0: Hi, everybody. My name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, everybody. Happy February. How are we doing today? Okay, good. Let me ask you a question. My name's Gary. I'm on staff here, and it's great to be with you. Really, I love uh, being with you. Uh, Raise your hands if you agree with this next comment. Teamwork is tough. Yeah, okay, no elbows right now. My uh, daughter, Elizabeth, she uh, is in college now, but when she was a senior at Sequoia High School, she came home one night her um, senior year working on a group project. And it was one of those group projects where half the team worked hard and half the team completely dropped the ball and didn't care. And she was on the work hard team. And so she came in like, I don't know, midnight, 1230, and she came into our bedroom and she's like, this. she was just ranting and raving. And before she left the room, she said, you know what? You know what I want from this team? When I die, I want to be there, them to be there and lower me in the grave so they could, I could say they let me down one last time. <laughs> Teamwork is hard, right? How many of you, by the way, loved being on group projects? How many of you hated being on group projects? Now, How many loved? Yeah, you were the slackers, the one who loved, <laughs> right? You let us down, we carried you in that. Teamwork really is hard, right, Uh, and I don't care. I remember I, I did a lot of group projects and the teacher would assign it, but here's what they wouldn't do. No one ever taught me how to work on a team. They didn't teach me about team dynamics. And I don't care if you're in a work group at work or a small group in this church or if it's a family system in your home or your roommates in your home or even in your marriage. Living in community is inevitable. Inevitable. It's a God design in each one of us. God created that. And at its best, living in community is encouraging. It's exhortative. It's enabling. You get farther uh, for a longer period of time when you're living together in community. The call to Christ is a call to community, right? But because of sin, teamwork is tough. Marriage is hard. Family systems are hard. Uh, work groups are hard. It's really, really hard. I remember being married to Anne, and uh, prior to getting married in our engagement, uh, one of the verses that really encouraged me in marriage was in Deuteronomy. 32 verse 30. And there's just one line that says, One can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is what I want for our relationship. I want us together to have an exponential return in our marriage, more than we could ever have alone. And that's a great ambition, but living that out is challenging because teamwork is challenging. Let me ask you a question. We all have a team, we all have a tribe. Who's on your team? Who's cheering you on spiritually as you risk or even professionally or in your character as you take steps of faith? Who's in your life believing God's truth for you when you're holding on to cultural lies over yourself? Who's on your doorstep when you've blown it? And They're not there to point a finger, they're there humbly Palms extended saying, I love you too much to let you go through the rubble and consequences of your choices alone. I know you don't have faith right now, and so I'm going to carry you. Trust my faith in the Lord, and we're going to get through this together. See, that's teamwork at its best. Who's stick texting scriptures and encouragement your way, saying, I'm praying for you today. We can do this today. I believe God for you today. That's the norm in the Christian life. Sadly, it's not the norm in most of our experiences. And if we could stop right now, I just would believe that most of us would say, I'd give anything to have a team like that. To have someone I converse more than just about the Super Bowl or about the current events or this or that. I'd give anything to have someone in my life loving me enough cheering me on, getting my path, stopping me from making a mistake. I know that because I know myself. All this leads to Nehemiah chapter 3. We've been in this book for a couple weeks now, three weeks, and uh, up to this point, Nehemiah has arrived in Jerusalem. He's inspected the walls, and he comes to this realization, this is going to be challenging. He's facing unsurmountable odds on his own. And he's attempting to do something that hasn't been done for 140 years in that city. If it was easy, it would have been done. I, mean, I think of the brokenness in our city, and I think about our vision in the next 8 years to 10 years to see the needle move from 3 to 5% followers of Christ on the peninsula, where it's been for 25 years, to rally churches, like-minded churches, and say we can do something, and to see that raise to 10%. No wonder it's hard. No wonder it's challenging. This stuff isn't easy. If it was easy, Nehemiah would have had it done. He's to endeavoring to build a two and a half mile wall, 40 feet high, eight feet thick, in occupied territory filled with enemies. Who'd sign up for that, right? He realizes, though, and don't miss this, that before I build a wall, I have to build a team. I can't do this alone. And I would just tell you that is a great moniker for life. Before you become who God called you to be, you need a team around you, people doing it. By the way, that's a picture that was uh, uncovered in Jerusalem around 2003. They discovered Nehemiah's wall in Jerusalem. That's actually the wall that we're talking about here. And I put that up there mainly for kids and our middle schoolers are gone, but high schoolers. We're not talking about some fable here. Um, all the archeological digs, they've never had an archeological dig go contrary to scripture. And this is the case as well. So our faith is built on history. So I had this amazing sense going into Nehemiah chapter three, uh, and by the way, most Uh, commentators, many of them just skirt right through Nehemiah chapter 3. The two most popular books written on the book of Nehemiah, one by an author named Chuck Swindoll. Anyone ever heard of him? He wrote a book called Hand Me Another Brick. Anyone ever heard of that book? Very popular. And then Andy Stanley, another very, these are great books. He wrote a book called Visioneering on the book of Nehemiah. These have sold tens of millions of copies. Both authors skip right over chapter 3. Because when you read it, it's just list of names, right? And it's just for seminarians that we hated this chapter because we had to memorize those names and one of those worthless events, right? Um, but I had the same sense digging deeper that I did when I first came across this document. This is our founding charter, uh, and we've showed you this before. These are the group of people 67 years ago in a living room in Burlingame who signed their name and said, "I have no idea what this means." Truly. I just know God has called me to come to the table to build a new work of God that will endure beyond me. These are the pioneers of PCC. And this document, I have a copy of it in my office. It is a sacred document to us. That these people, 67 years ago, they didn't envision this campus. They didn't envision the gym, sports ministry, PE being taught on eight of the grammar schools, a worldwide reach through our missions efforts. They had no idea that would come. They just knew that God called them to the table to do something greater than themselves. That's the story of Nehemiah 3 as we go through it. I want you to meet some of these people. They're pioneers, and they said, let's build something great for the kingdom of God. One more introductory comment, then we're going to dive in. Um, And this is really important. Nor did they have any idea, and I've told you this before, what weighed in the balance of their obedience. They would never see the full results of their work it was enough for them to obey. Here's what I mean by that. They had no idea that 450 years later, the most famous Jewish person who ever lived, history's most significant human being, Jesus Christ himself, would go through this wall and walk through these gates on a donkey, ride it on a donkey on Palm Sunday. And they had no idea that a week later he would walk outside this wall with a crossbar on his shoulders to his death. They had no idea they were preserving the identity of Israel so the Jewish race could be in existence 450 years later so that the Messiah could come out of it. It just was on them to obey what God put before them. Am I making sense? Because here's why I want to encourage us, me too, Many times in my obedience, I have no idea what hangs in the balance. I I won't even see the results of that obedience. But I've got to trust God when he calls me to obey. His call is enough. And he will use my obedience for his glory and for the good of people, whether I see the results or not. God's looking for those kind of people today to rebuild walls and rebuild what's broken in our city My question is, and I ask this humbly, are you one of those people? Do you have enough faith to believe? God, it's enough to obey. And I know you will give me the strength every day to meet the obedience you call me to. And by your grace and with the team, I'm in. This church is built on those kind of people. I'm looking at some of those people right now. I wouldn't be here. I'm standing on the shoulders of those kind of people. Thank you for that. So with that being said, what we're going to see in Nehemiah chapter 3, and I'll wrap this up with a statement about this, they model in the Old Testament what the church should look like in the New Testament. There is a progression through the book, the Old Testament that we're going to see that's just mind-blowing. It's just mind-blowing. So open to Nehemiah 3. Are you there? Okay. I'm there. Let's do it. How did he do it? Here's the first. He started with heart. Did I tell you to open Nehemiah 3? Go to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 to 18. Started with heart. Look at this. Nehemiah comes on the scene and he says this. You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come. Oh, by the way, they didn't see the full trouble they were in. That's what uh, sin does. Uh, the book of Hebrews, the New Testament book says, there's Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14, says there's a deceitfulness to sin where it breaks off logical thinking. So yeah, they saw rubble, but they had no idea the trouble they were in, right? Uh, and he goes, come on, let's rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so we'll no longer be a disgrace, And then I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. If you're taking notes, I hope you are, here's three things that are really important. Here's the first. He starts with reality. He deals with reality. When you see the trouble we're in, he doesn't like Pollyanna it. He doesn't coat over it. He doesn't deny it. He says, we're a mess. Then this is amazing to me. He functions as we. He functions as we. Nehemiah didn't create the trouble. Remember, he was from 850 miles away in Persia. He didn't do that. He was in exile his whole life. He was born in exile. But he identifies with the brokenness, and he doesn't use the second person singular pronoun. You did this. I was in the king's palace, and I had to come this far to fix this. No shame. He comes humbly, says we're in trouble. I own this with you. Friends, that is the best aspect of Christian community, the Christian community that comes to me and comes to you in our brokenness when there's a mess all over and doesn't point a finger, doesn't use a you, but says this, we're going to get through this, owns the brokenness with you. I'm telling you, I would not be here today without that kind of Christian community. So what does he do? He deals in reality. He functions as we. And then he shares a God story. I love this. He's like, hey, there's stuff you don't even know about. Let me tell you what God has done to this point to get me here. How encouraging that must have been. And the reason he shares a God story is because God's faithfulness never expires, all the promises of God never expire. And so he says, I know you don't have faith, looking in the future. There's been rubble for 140 years. So let's look in the past. And let me tell you, in the past uh, year and a half, what God has done to get me here. And let's bank on that track record to give us hope for the future. That's a leader. That's beautiful. It's unbelievable. So he starts with the heart. Every great community deals in the heart, right? Then turn to page two and let's see what happens bulk of our time together. Everyone does their part. Here we go. It's an all play. What you're going to see in chapter three, Nehemiah chapter three, are 75 individuals mentioned. Probably Nehemiah is keeping a record for uh, the man who's funding this, Artaxerxes, the Persian king, and this is probably his accounting of who participated. But we have in scripture as a testimony of the pioneers who trusted God for something bigger than themselves and had just enough faith to step out. Let's meet some of them. Chapter 3, verse 1. Eliashab, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. He's going to mention all the gates around the city. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the tower of the hundred. Which they dedicated, and as far as the towers of Hananel. The men of Jericho built an adjoining section, and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to them. Can you throw that map up, Michael? So here's what's going on with Nehemiah. He is basically in chapter three going to start on the upper left hand corner. See uh, where the sheep gate is? Eliashab, the priest, and the priest. And he's going to go counterclockwise. In the chapter, and talk about all the sections of the wall that are built. Here's what I want you to know first everyone did a part. We're gonna see amazing groups of people coming together, very diverse, coming together for a common cause. And what I want you to see first is this Nehemiah says, Where are we gonna start? It's a two and a half mile wall. He's inspected it for two days and he says, we're starting with the sheep gate. The sheep gate was the gate that the sheep that were groomed outside the city for temple sacrifices would be brought in. See the red square temple? That was already rebuilt. I want you to catch this. This is Nehemiah's statement of, we have a two and a half mile wall. If God's gonna honor this, don't miss this. We're gonna put God first. We're not going to start in the fountain gate. We're not going to start in any other gate. We're not going to start in the broad wall. Yeah, it might be tougher over there or easier over there. We're putting God first. We're starting with the sheep gate. So we can get those lambs into that gate to the temple so sacrifices can continue and God can be honored. the New Testament, we'll come back to this picture, but the New Testament says it this way. Jesus said this in his greatest sermon, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said this, Seek what church? First, the kingdom of God. This is Jesus and his righteousness. And all these other things will be given to you as well. This is 450, 400, actually 480 years before Jesus said it. This is Nehemiah modeling it, saying, you know what, we're starting with the sheep gate. And then here's what's amazing the first person mentioned to participate in the gate, the high priest. I would have loved that scene. As they start construction out of the temple, this is the most spiritually elite person in all of Israel, comes a high priest in all his robes, girds up his loins, and says this, hand me a rock, come on. Priest, come on out here, give me a rock, come on. No one was beyond building the wall. Can you imagine the encouragement when the spiritually elite started the process to build the wall, getting their hands dirty. What you'll find in the rest of the chapter is a wide array of backgrounds, professions, social classes. You'll find priests, union laborers, politicians, women, men, single, married, city guards, merchants, all coming together, including from eight foreign regions up to 20 miles away, coming together. Those foreigners had no skin in the game but they came because something great was being done for the glory of God and they wanted in, coming together in an unprecedented mark of unity. This old guy who's long dead, his name's Vance Havner, I don't want to diminish him that way, great theologian in his day, but I love what he said when he said this, Christians like snowflakes are frail, but when they stick together, they can stop traffic. Isn't that good? No wonder Satan is trying to break up unity of every group that exists for the glory of God. No wonder he doesn't want small groups unified, marriages unified, families unified. Because the power of unity is incredible. Why else would Jesus pray right before he died in John 17? Make them one. Give them, Father, the same unity that you and I have. He prayed that we would have the unity that mirrored the trinity Satan's number one attack in your life is to break up that unity to crush that kind of community but greater is he that's in us than the one that's in the world now got a little excited there sorry really not sorry Uh, Chapter 3, here's my favorite verse. Chapter 3, verse 12. Look at this. Shalom, son of Halal Shesh, I'll I'll call him Brian, son of Brian, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Look at this. With the help of his what? Daughters. That's so cool. It's so radical in its day too. But Shalom's like, you know what? I don't want my girls missing out on this. I don't want them to miss out on the one and only chance to be a part of something greater than themselves. I don't want them consumed with themselves. I want them to be consumed with God. So come on, girls. I want you to put a rock in this wall that will endure forever. It's so cool. Here's what I learned, as far as I can tell. Studying every name from that I get in, in chapter 3, not one of these people were professional wall builders. Not one. One. In chapter 3, we meet young, old, male, female, nobles, commoners, extremely diverse, yet they unify around a cause. Does that sound like any other community that you know of? The church. The church, people. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm not trying to rile you up, but I love this. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at this verse. The Apostle Paul would say this uh, 600 years after Nehemiah. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are gifts that God has given the church. Not any more love than anybody, but it's just our calling. Why are we here? To equip his people. That's you. Well, for what? For works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach, here's the word, unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. How many of you want that for your life? How many of you wanna really just just top off at immaturity spiritually? (laughs) No, but why is it so many Christians do? Why do we just flatline at some point in our life? Why is that the normal trajectory? I don't understand that. See, what this passage tells me is I need you for maturity. The call to Christ is a call to community. My Christianity is personal, but it's not meant to be private. I need you. Paul goes on. And we become mature, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 16, I love this verse. From him, from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. That's Nehemiah chapter 3. We need each other. There's broken things in our city. There's broken things in my life and in your life. There's broken things in our church. We need each other to be a part of this. So as far as I can see, every part does its work, but in Nehemiah 3, there are some parts that didn't work. Look at verse 5 of Nehemiah 3. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles, look at this, would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Nehemiah's there, he's looking at this, like, oh, nobles, Tekoa, okay, I'll note that. You did nothing. In the Hebrew, it's even more strong. It says literally they would not bend their necks. It's recorded of an image of a stiff-necked horse or bull that wouldn't go under the yoke. They were too good for it. Someone once taught me uh, growing up, and I don't remember who told me this, but I've never forgotten it. He said this to me in discipling me, pride makes holiness impossible. And that's what we see here. I'm not going to get a part of that wall. I'm not going to do that. And then in contrast to these nobles, there's one other name that's missing from chapter 3. You know what it is? Who it is? Nehemiah. You don't see his name in chapter 3 at all because it wasn't about him. He lived humbly and wanted others to get the credit. Oh, it's just amazing to me. I can go on and on. Uh, Let's look at one other. This is free of charge. Look at verse 14. This is not going to be on the screen. It is in your Bible. Nehemiah chapter 3, 14. You'll meet a guy named Malchijah. Malchijah. What gate did he repair? Is anyone there? Can you call it out? The Dung Gate. That's exactly the gate that you think it is. It is the gate that all the city garbage went out and would be thrown into the Kidron Valley and burned. And no one seems like would want to do that. Melchizedek like, sign me up for the dung gate. I'm in. Now, who's Melchizedek? We have no idea. Until you keep reading, look down at verse 31. Chapter 3, verse 31, he appears again. What was his trade? Goldsmith. That was kind of the elite of the city. Maybe as they're planning it out, he's like, I'm not defined by my trade. I'm defined by doing something for the kingdom of God. Give me the dung gate. I work with enough of the elite in my Monday to Friday job. I'm cleaning the dung gate. I'm building that thing. Incredible, right? So everyone did a part. Nothing was too low. Nothing was too above these people. And together, something great was done for the kingdom of God. The second thing quickly that I want you to see is everyone did a part. Together, they couldn't build the whole wall, right? One can only chase a thousand, but two can chase How many? 10,000. When they linked arms, there was an exponential return for their labor in unity. How did Nehemiah do this? It's just pretty simple. You can see it in your notes. I won't even go into the detail, but he broke it down by sections and walls. I'm sorry, sections and homes. Uh, 13 times the word sections used. He divided the two and a half mile walls, 13 sections. And then he divided even closer, and you can see in your notes, he said, you know, in part of the sections, you build in front of your house, you build in front of your house, you build in front of your house. Why? I would have way more ownership for the wall that provided protect, protection if it's in front of my house. It's intelligent, it's incredible here. What is amazing is Isaiah, I'm sorry, Nehemiah is encouraging these people to get involved right where they live. Now, here's why it's so important. And this is where this bless brochure comes in. If you access that, please. You know, when I think of PCC making a difference in our city, it gets overwhelming to me. 90,000 residents in Revit City. Oh, my gosh. I, it's, it's, un, it's my undoing. Like I go, I can't do this. But I've told God I can't reach 90,000 people, but my street has my 15 houses on it, count me in for Grand Street between Brewster and Hopkins. And I'll employ the blessed strategy. I did this when I lived up on Hillcrest. I did this when we were in Chicago and we lived on Evolution Avenue. Uh, we did this when we lived in San Rafael. I did this when I was an RA in the dorms back in the dark ages at the Harvard of the West, Sacramento State University. Um, this has been my bread and butter. you know what's amazing about this? It puts evangelism where it should be, on the shoulders of Jesus, and lets him be the evangelist. And I say, God, I'm going to show up. I used to call this prayer, care, share, hang in there, and now it's called bless. But God, I will pray. I will care for them. Uh, When you provide the opportunity, I'll share, and then I'm going to hang in there and let you be God. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do. What we want to do, we, we introduce this in the fall. We're sticking with this. Like, we want every single person that calls PCC home to engage in a blessed strategy. And if the Gadinis reach, uh, reach Grand Street, and the Smiths reach Farm Hill Boulevard, and the Keneally's reach Farm Hill Boulevard, and I can go on and on. The fire department's reach, uh, Brewster's reach. We just go up San Carlos, not the whole city, but your street, Orange Street. What street is it? Sunnydale's reach. I just go on and on, right? Um, Together, we're going to see something great happen for the kingdom of God. Do you see that? So your homework this week is to think, where do I live? Students, where do I learn? Where do I play? Where do I work? Where am I sent? Think of those five areas. They're in your notes. And then I want you to sit before God and read this material. If you're part of PCC, I want to encourage you and say, God, Who are the names of the people that you love that might be far from you, that I care for too? And just write their names down. What I wanna invite you to do is uh, rip off one of these in the next three weeks, first names only, and return it to PCC. Because your pastors wanna pray for you too and for the people you're praying for. And then you know what we're gonna do in May? We're gonna give these names to our denomination because there are people committed in our denomination to praying through our names as well. First names only for us, right? You know who they are, God knows who they are. You can keep them on a first name basis for you. Here's the bottom line, folks. I gotta gotta end this thing and land the wall, land the wall, land the plane. You know what the number one ability God's looking for when it comes to rebuilding, renewing and restoring? Do you wanna know what the number one ability is? Availability, availability. Uh, There's mornings like this morning. I got up and I engaged in the blessed strategy. I prayed by name for the houses. I've lived there four years. I've learned their names. And I just think, God, I can't do this on my own. There's so many people that are better equipped to do this than me. Really, I get scared. But I'm available. If you want to use me, then go ahead and open doors. And let's do something together for your glory and for the enduring good of these people. So two questions as we wrap up. Who's on your team? It's an important one. Who's on your team? Who are you a teammate to? What's your section of the wall that God's called you to where you live, work, play, learn, or are sent? And then your homework, work through the blessed stuff. And together, we're going to do something great for God's kingdom. Don't you want that? thousand years from now, an enduring work? I know I do. I know you do too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful, beautiful image of the church. Thank you, Jesus, that this work is enduring. The work that you've called us to is as enduring as well. So God, I pray we wouldn't just be hearers of this word, but doers. Give us faith, Lord. Pray for someone in this room. I don't know who they are, but I pray for someone wrestling in obedience right now. And they're wondering if it's worth it. Father, I pray that your spirit would encourage them, that they would uh, access the faith and the power and the strength that you've given them to choose humility, to choose community, to choose obedience and repentance. I don't know who that's for, but I pray for it. Pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church Podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for wearepcc.